Welcome to the Single Dad Reboot Podcast, episode 24. All right, for this week's episode, we've got a special Single Dads Roundtable with two close friends of mine, Clinton from Fatherhood Farms and Floor, aka Dad Style 99. Um, I thought it would be cool to have the three of us get together and just talk about, you know, what has taken place in the last year and a half between the, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19 situation, uh, the social and civil unrest going on in the country, uh, you know, as well as the political unrest that took place as well. And I just wanted to sit down and talk about, you know, how everything has affected us and our parenting styles and even our children. And I thought that that would be cool to do, um, you know, with Father's Day just passing a couple of days ago. Um, and Clinton and Flora are both people that I've already interviewed. So it was just cool to have them come back and catch up because it had been quite a while since we talked. So, and one other, I guess, little known fact, except uh, to them. <laughs> they were the two who initially gave me the big push to get this podcast started. Um, so I just, you know, they'll always hold a special place to me just because uh, without them, I'm not sure that I would be here doing this now. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Fellas, how's it going? I've got Clint from Fatherhood Farms and Floor from Dad Style here. How you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm excited about this, man. Uh, you you guys became my friends uh, at that 2.0, so I'm excited to be in this room with you guys. And yeah. um, if they can all see us now, you know, we just all kind of look like, you know, triplets right now. Yeah, what did uh, what is the angel said? Bald, bald is beautiful, bald is sexy. That's right. <laughs> bald is beautiful. Yes, sir. Yeah, hey, I was actually... what's going on, brother? Yeah, I was thinking... Um, <laughs> The other day, so much has happened since like we actually saw each other in person. I mean, so much has gone down. I mean, it's been like a year and a half. I mean, for one time flies, but it was literally like what two, three weeks before the pandemic shut everything down. It when we were at Dad 2.0 out, out here in my backyard, it was just crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I believe even, so. Uh, I didn't even know that, that was a thing. Oh, you missed it. <laughs> 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 No, not the not dad too. I'm talking about like I didn't even realize that uh, Corona was a thing elsewhere. And then we got back, and the shutdown happened, and I was like, "What is this thing?" And then I realized, oh, we were just in this huge populated area. Maybe maybe this is something to look into. Yeah, so it kind of it hit me by surprise, big time. Yeah, like I I heard the rumors like on the news and stuff, but I just thought it was like any other thing where it was like, oh. The news is going to hype it up, but it's not going to be anything. And then, yeah, three weeks later, yeah, don't go anywhere for two weeks. Just stay home. <laughs> it's like, awesome. That's great. Yeah, I remember on my way to D.C., actually, um, I had left Atlanta from a connecting flight. And when I landed in D.C., all my friends were calling me. They were like, hey, um, were you just in Atlanta? I was like, yeah, I just landed in D.C. They're like, oh, thank God, because a plane landed in Atlanta and they quarantined everybody. I was like why what happened and they're like oh this virus that's going around and it's starting to spread that's when i was like kind of first hearing about it and i didn't know how serious it was until i got back home from that 2.0 and it was like wow what is this thing and then like clint said i mean everything just started shutting down yeah it was like so so out of left field it was just wild so i mean like how did that uh like how did that change everything for you guys over the course of the last year just in terms of i mean i guess for you personally and then just in terms of your parenting, I mean, it, I know 
for me, I know my daughter's a little bit older than your guys is, but I mean, it definitely changed a lot of things in terms of, you know, how I had to explain everything to her. Like, you know, why do we have to do this? What's going on? You know, are we safe and things like that? Like, what did that do for you guys and your daughters? Um, it, didn't, it didn't really change a whole lot for me. <laughs> I, to be honest, I didn't really go out and do much in the first place. Uh, I was more of a homebody, kind of staying focused. I was working six days a week, uh, pretty crazy hours. Um, so, I mean, it didn't change a whole lot for me in that aspect. But uh, with the kids being home, uh, that that was a huge change because – I don't, I don't have a schedule whatsoever. I mean, I work, or I was working uh, six days a week, pretty much minimum, and then on call that seventh day, and there's no set hours each day, so it's just however long the job takes each day. Luckily, her grandmother uh, nannies, so she could just take her with her every day, but computer skills, I have none. So when school went virtual, I was kind of like, uh, I can log on, I think, I hope. And that, that was the biggest, that was the biggest change for me is just kind of figuring out a schedule that works that um, I could take advantage of her being home. But life outside of the home didn't change much for me at all. Yeah, I guess you're, yeah, you're I in more of a rural area too anyway, right? So you probably like I know like where I'm at it's more like uh you know population dense it's closer to the city so for you there probably wasn't as much change as there was for me in terms of that yeah uh I mean out here where the property is for sure but all my work is all my work is in Austin which is kind of the big it's big for us anyway and work actually picked up I mean, I'm in the moving industry and it, all the businesses were shutting down and nobody was going to work. But as movers, relocating people, our business skyrocketed. Like people were losing jobs. So they had to either downsize or cancel their leases in their apartments. And then we do storage as well. So some people were putting their stuff in storage. Some people were scared their stuff was going to get stuck in storage. So they were pulling stuff out early. Uh, people who had money to act on were buying houses left and right, building properties. Uh, so we were moving people there. So we were, it was kind of crazy, actually. Our business started picking up probably two, three months sooner than it typically would have for the industry. Yeah, that was interesting. What about you, Floor? Oh, man, for me, I mean, I, I'm typically someone who um, patience has always been a pretty strong quality of mine. But since last year, I mean, I feel like that skill has elevated to a whole different level um, with all the changes and, and things that has just changed in our lives and, and, and how to approach, you know, certain things. I mean, a, a lot has changed um, from things in your home to businesses to how you shop or whatever it is. So patience is definitely something that um, I, I thought I was good at, but I, I feel like I got better at because of it. So uh, it, you know, I, I guess that's a, that's a good thing. Um, of course, it's unfortunate everything else that happened around it, but 
Um, another thing that has like sharpened recently over time is just exercising caution, definitely. And not just for yourself, um, you know, just also yourself as a, as a parent. I think that has been something where you try to exercise that a lot so that your, your kids know that, you know, to be careful, you know, when you're out there, especially as things start to open up and they go to school in person, you want them to be mindful of, you know, their surroundings, their environment, um, and just kind of take all those cautions in, into play. Because, you know, they're small, you know, my daughter's eight, she may not exactly understand what's going on. But, um, you know, just trying to exercise that as much as possible for her sake, uh, mainly is just my has been my ultimate goal. So I, you know, I typically as a parent, you, you exercise caution anyways, but uh, over this past year, you just had to do it at a different level, um, at a different capacity. So that's been kind of the, the change and something I've been more focused on over the last year. But um, yeah, the, the change was different. It, it did hit different. So um, I'm glad that, um, or, or hopefully that a lot of places are starting to get better. Um, I know speaking for myself here, things seem to be showing some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. What, uh, for your job, you have the kind of job where you actually have to go in pretty much in person, right? How did, you know, coronavirus affect that stuff in the beginning when everything was pretty much shut down? I mean, was work pretty much, you know, something you couldn't do? Yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, we were shut down for about two and a half months. And then when we finally went in, you know, working in the retail industry, um, a lot of people you could tell were scared to get out. Um, even though we were open, we were very slow for a really long time. And even, you know, here in Orlando, we usually have a lot of tourists and that's something that kind of came to a stop. And that was mainly our business, um, where it came from, just our tourists, but there was no tourists, there was no flights, nothing like that. So we just had our locals and that's if they even went out to, to go shop. Um, so that was, that was different to kind of see that in watching people interact and little by little that started to open up. People started to come out a little bit more but you could see how cautious they were, how cautious they were with their children. Uh, curbside became a big thing everywhere. So we did, I mean, our curbside business like exploded and people would come in sometimes even wearing hazmat suits to pick up some stuff. And it was like, you know, just seeing that is, um, it, it's just different to look at, you know, you know, sometimes you see movies and everybody's like that, you know, all suited up, mask, gloves, everything or, or having limited contact but to actually live that was was definitely a life-changing experience yeah I was super lucky because the company that I work for we actually adopted you know telework pretty early on in the game so I started my company um, summer of 2007 and they were pretty much allowing us to work from home you know a day or two a week back then so it's slowly you know gradually picked up over the years since then. So for us, it wasn't really that big of a deal. It was just like, hey, you know, we're not going to be coming into the office anytime soon. So just do your thing at home. But yeah, the biggest challenge for me, you know, having my daughter here, like Clint said, you know, working on her schoolwork during the day was just, you know, having her run to me with questions about the schoolwork. And, you know, for one, I'm like, right, honey, I've got a call, I've got to work. But then two, just like her also just kind of using me as a crutch. Like I know she's not really paying attention. So she's, you know, trying to get me to answer the question, not really help. That was the biggest struggle for me on the weeks that I had her. I mean, <laughs> but it was kind of cool to see, 
how the teachers adjusted because I know that it was super tough for them too, you know, trying to oh, yeah. adjust lesson plans and all that stuff, all that stuff was going on. Um, but I think the second thing too, as I mentioned, my daughter just turned 13. So she's at that age where she's super curious and she is just asking me all these questions about COVID and safety and all these things that I don't have the answer for. Like I'm not, you know, an epidemiologist or a scientist or anything. So you know, she's asking me all this stuff and then she's on social media and she sees all these things and crazy theories. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Just stop watching that stuff. It's, it's, you know, killing your brain. Just stop. So yeah, it was, it was wild, but um, when they, they started doing hybrid schooling two days in the school, I think right before spring break in April. So that was good. Um, I know one of the things I wanted to talk about too was how everything being shut down and schools being closed, you know, affected your daughters. And I know for mine, um, at the very beginning, like I noticed that there was a huge change, like in her mindset and attitude, like she was visibly depressed because I mean, she was just stuck at home all day. She couldn't really go hang out with friends because nobody was letting friends go out. Nobody was sure if it was safe to go out and do anything. And, you know, like her favorite thing is soccer. They, you know, they canceled the spring season, obviously, you know, for safety reasons. Um, and they were going to cancel the fall season as well. And they ended up putting it back on. And when they did that, it was like a 180. Like that changed everything for her. Just being able to get back out with her friends and just run around and play and have a good time. But the period of, I guess it was like five or six months up until then, it was like dark days for her. And you know, as a parent, it's like, you're not really sure what to do. You're like, you know, it's going to pass, but you don't know when. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm trying to do the best I can, but you know, you feel really bad for him. So, I mean, that having that soccer start back up was like a lifesaver, but like, how did it, you know, how did it affect your daughter, Clint? Um, I mean, off the bat, I think with a lot of kids, they were just like, no school what <laughs> right. school's out forever yeah. uh she was kind of excited about that uh and then it turned to an adjustment period just with online like trying to figure out their interface systems and how all that works uh communication with the teachers and then like what's the expectation of the amount of work and I was really involved with the school in general before the lockdown. So I knew all the administration, I knew the teachers and a lot of the students as well. Uh, so it was, it was good in the sense that I had a strong communication line to all that, all those systems that I could reach out to. And I kind of preemptively going into the year contacted them and said, Hey, what's, what's the focus? I know what you, the boxes you need to check from an administrative standpoint, but what's your real focus here? What are you expecting out of these children? And they're like, honestly, we, we want them to, we would love to see attendance because if we can take attendance, then that lets us know that they're safe. That lets us know that they're uh, checking in because we know family dynamics at home aren't always what you would hope they would be. So yeah, there was the attendance from the administrative side, but it was also a way of taking a head count on kids that were like mentally, physically, and emotionally there, uh, which I thought was really cool. So they weren't worrying about academics whatsoever, really going into it because one, just trying to scurry and get something, a program together for these kids was 
quite difficult. Uh, we, we don't go to public school. It's a charter school and it's a, it's a, it's a very different demographic of uh, mm -hmm. family that's there. Uh, it's predominantly Hispanic. And so right off the bat, trying to deal with communication and technology is really difficult for a lot of those families. Uh, and it just didn't happen for quite a while, really. Uh, there was a lot of help that needed to be done uh, between family, school board, connection. Uh, to get back to your original question, yeah, she was excited at first. Uh, then it was like, hey, I'm alone. This kind of sucks. Where's all my friends? Uh, my dad is just out here playing in the yard all the time. And she's only on the computer for like two hours tops every day. It, you know, doing busy work for the most part is what I would call it, uh, which I didn't mind. Uh, it was really cool. I went part-time at my job, which is the first time that I've ever been part-time since, uh, since I graduated high school. Uh, I'm only working three days a week. So this is the most time I've ever spent with my daughter ever. And it's been amazing. She doesn't agree with that, but uh, <laughs> we subbed in the academics for kind of real life school and the things that, you know, when she does go back in person, still 99% of the kids she goes with, they won't have that knowledge base. Um, so she's a super social person, butterfly. She's emotionally intelligent that hit her really hard. Um, she needed connection. Luckily, I'm not super restrictive when it came to the whole lockdown. Uh, like I said, we weren't going out anyway, but if we we're out and about, like I'm letting the kids play, man, I'm letting them hit the playground. I don't, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't not let the kids do that. Um, I'm letting kids interact. I'm being respectful of other people's space. Um, but you know, it was kind of like you, you, come into contact with another parent and their kids on the playground alone. And then you roll up, you kind of, kind of size each other up. Like, is, is it cool? Right. Can my kid like get, <laughs> get within playing distance of yours? Yeah. Uh, and you do that look for a little bit and go from there. But uh, yeah, she just really misses her friends a lot. And that was the biggest thing for us. She got into uh, one thing that helped her out was, as you know, to your point with sports, was when they opened a jujitsu gym. Now, we still had to wear, uh, parents had to wear masks and everything, but the kids didn't. And she started taking jujitsu and absolutely loved it because it kind of filled in with meeting new people, uh, being physical with other kids, uh, and just having a really good time and being competitive again. Uh, so... Yeah, she loved that. And that was a huge crutch for us. Like you said, that was a lifesaver. Um, and as you described things, Craig, I, I was sitting here thinking the whole time about your, how you're dealing with that age bracket of a child, especially being a female. Because uh, that's when that you're at that age where the autonomy is really stepping in. And then she just got poof, put into a bubble with you. And I was just picturing her tearing your head off every day. Oh so yeah, I was, I was. My heart was with you. Get this. So, <laughs> I think about a month into the pandemic, um, things were still shut down. I'm walking my dog, and I think it's like a Friday night. Uh, my daughter's with me. It's maybe 
it's pretty late. I think it's like maybe 1030, 1030 at night. And my ex-wife texts me and she's like, hey, uh, just wanted to let you know, you know, Hayden just had her first period. And I was like, oh, it's like a month of the pandemic. The pandemic's going on. This is the worst year ever. <laughs> I hate life. And I'm like, I, so I text my ex-wife back. I'm like, well, why didn't she? Just call me like I'm literally a block away. So I guess she didn't feel comfortable about it. So, you know, came in that night and we had to talk about that. But it was just like the most random timing ever. And it was, yeah, it was yeah. like a disaster. It was just like one thing on top of the other. And it was the most awkward evening too, trying to talk to her about it. Cause you can tell she's like, I want to talk to my dad about this stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. This, there's nobody else here. <laughs> I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. <laughs> What about you, Floor? How did how did you cope with your daughter? Oh man, it was um, you know co-parenting. You know, as as you do as well. Um, actually, all all of you do as well. Um, it was a little bit of a challenge because I think um, her mom's mentality and mine was totally different. Um, I was totally the one that was a little bit more cautious, and she was just like. Ah, it's it's fake it's nothing like nothing's gonna happen it's no big deal you know like get over it um and I was like well I don't exactly want to get over it you know I I, I still want to take precautions just in case like I have no idea this thing was early on we were still trying to figure things out everybody was um so I was just trying to take caution but for my daughter I think um like Clint said I mean once she was being homeschooled she was like oh man this is awesome I want to do this forever like this is great I can sit in front of the computer all day and, and be at home and like my pjs and all this stuff um which was great for a while and they finished the school year that way um but when the school year started again you know because I had to go back to work her mom had to go back to work she had to go back to school and they had that um available where they could still do face-to-face but the good thing was that half of the school wasn't even there because some of them did uh, the virtual learning. So there was maybe, I mean, half the kids that there normally was in her class anyway. So uh, once I saw that, I felt a little bit more comfortable. So she was happy to be with her friends again. But initially, I think um, just before summer when everything hit, she was happy about being at home. But and then some of the kids outside it was kind of like nobody played outside for a while so it was like a ghost town but once they started to come out a little bit uh, she wanted to go out there and play and you know we had a conversation about you know what COVID was and what it does and you know so, you know some of the things that are going around and what we can do to protect ourselves so she was even hesitant um, which to Clint's point you know where you just want the kids to play I kind of wanted that for my daughter as well but I was like uh, like, I, I don't know, I'm like in the fence here. Like, do I want her to play or do I want her to be careful? So we kind of did things where, you know, she would she would play and some of the kids in the neighborhood knew as well. Like, okay, you know, like I know we can't really just be buddy buddy right now, but we can play from a distance. So some of the kids really cooperated in the neighborhood too, which was, which was really nice. But I also got to spend a lot more time with my daughter and do all kinds of different things. You know, it was, I think we tried... Uh, planting a few flowers. She loved that. Um, we, you know, rode bikes, we did kites, we did all kinds of activities, outdoor activities, which was awesome because we were stuck in the house for so long. So when we finally got to 
get out. Um, that was nice. But there was also a transition where she started to miss her friends. And she's like, I want to be with my friends. I want to call my friends. You know, I want to hang out with my friends. You know, I miss my friends. I want to go to school. And now being happy, you know, at home, learning through a computer, she then started to miss I want to go back to school. I want to be with my friends. I want to, you know, be in school with them. So she kind of went through all kinds of changes throughout the pandemic. But once she was able to get back to school, she was kind of back to her normal self again and just happy being with them, even interacting, interacting with them virtually, um, which has been a huge thing, has been a, a huge change. What about, um, so I guess, I mean, Aside from COVID, the other things that went on last year, um, it might have been a bigger impact in my area, in my area because of where I live in DC. But you also had like you know the racial stuff that went on, and then you had the elections and everything. Um, so I know, like from my perspective, again with my daughter being thirteen, you know she's asking a lot of questions about, you know, what all is going on just with the world. Why is everything so crazy right now? Um, you know, is there any? kind of life lessons that you were just sort of start able to start pointing out towards your daughters or I mean maybe they might have still been too young to kind of do that because I know for me like you know the elections were big here there was just a lot of craziness going on and I mean politics in general is big in DC so again my daughter's big into social media so she sees all this stuff and you know one of the biggest lessons that I was able to sort of start guiding her towards was that um you know, you shouldn't really just automatically hate people for whatever their opinion is or what they believe or think or, you know, based on political parties or things like that. Like you should actually be able to sit down and have a conversation with them and listen and talk before you make up your mind. Um, you know, don't go off of what a majority of people is saying. If they all say somebody's horrible, like actually take time to sit down and find out for yourself and make up your mind for yourself. Like that was something that we talked about a lot. Um, and just trying to explain all that stuff in terms of, you know, politics. Um, so I think that it was a good starting point for that. And I think at her age, it was also good too, because I mean, I think she's going to start to become more aware of that as she starts to get older. But did you guys have, um, you know, anything like that that you were able to impart in your daughters? I mean, through coronavirus or any of the other stuff that took place? Yeah, I'm glad you, you brought that up because um, it's, so, it's so nice to see young children who are just innocent and pure and really don't know like anything about, um, you know, race that way, like, you know, any, any racial issues or anything like that, because they don't, they, they truly don't see color. You know, they, mm -hmm. they like my daughter, for, for example, she has friends, you know, from all over the place. Um, and the news, like her seeing that stuff in the news it was kind of hard to explain because she she sees it and she's like but why why is this happening like why do they do this to this person like what did they do and you know so it's it's kind of hard to explain it sometimes um mm -hmm. you know and and for her to see it as like but what's the big deal you know i don't understand what what did he do wrong or what did she do wrong why are they doing this what a reason do they have so it was it was you cannot just refreshing to see that she sees it as just just one level we're all on the same level we all yeah. coexist together and but it's also heartbreaking and just really hard to like like show her those things or for her to see those things or even explain those things 
Um, but it that conversation has to happen, you know, just for her to know that, you know, sometimes there's just people who just see things a certain way because it's not something that you're born with. It's something that you that you're taught. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's it's maybe not even the parents. Sometimes it's just you know in their environment that they're in. Um, some children are not as fortunate to have parents. So, you know, whether they're fostered or whatever the case is, you know, we don't know what their situation is and what led them to that road where now they're growing up to think something uh, specific or that's how something is. But all we can do as parents is just try to teach our children the, the best way, you know, of like, you know, we all coexist together. We all live in this world. We're all responsible for what we do to mother nature and, and earth. So all we could do is continue to do that and just work together as a team, um, stranger or not. But for her to know that, um, you know, there is there is no color, you know, there is no race. There's just, you know, human. It's you and I, you know, her and him, whatever it is. And I, and I feel like um, it was it was at eight years old. It was a tough conversation to have. It was a little bit difficult to explain, but. At the same time, I'm glad, you know, her mentality is the way it is because it was a little bit easier to explain to her like what we need to do just as human beings to one another um, and how we should treat each other with respect. You know, respect is universal. It goes it goes both ways. It goes to whoever, whomever. You got to give it. You got to get it. So I think that was the biggest thing I wanted her to learn is just, you know, self-respect and worth, but also to give that back to others, regardless of where they're from and who they are. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, like you said, we're, we're all, you know, brothers, sisters, neighbors, we should all treat each other with respect. But how about you, Clint? It, this year was the most reaffirming public heartbreak that possibly could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it was absolutely necessary and it was it's a matter of time right and it just happened exponentially and it's it sucked like floor said to steal that innocence from a child to have to have those conversations and not have it being something learned from someone who's leading by example in the proper manner. Mm-hmm. It had to come from an aspect of negativity on a computer or TV screen to have, to have that parenting taken out of your hands really sucks because you didn't, it's like rather than teaching a dog a trick, it's you're reteaching a dog not to do old tricks. And that's what happened with the media is they started to subliminally teach our children this thing. And then we had to go back in and go, well, let me backtrack and try and explain this to you in a way that you can comprehend it, which is impossible uh, because they're going to interpret something wrong because, you know, like like Floor's daughter's eight, my daughter's nine, even your daughter, Craig, who's 13, that's (laughs) me. I, you know, I trouble with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I get really worked up about it because, I mean, that's what I'm doing here. That's what I'm dedicating my life to is changing this. And I want to 
I preach leading by example and leading with compassion and love and positivity and acceptance and that my daughter doesn't see a difference in the way I approach people or act with people and engage in interactions. It's just, and it's, it's okay that I had to explain that to her because, and I get this from a lot of people, I have very deep, um, direct conversations with my daughter. Uh, some might argue that they are too grown up for her. Um, sometimes the subject matter might be, but I gauge that depending upon the context that it comes from. Uh, if it's necessary, then I believe that I just have to be direct. And if there's confusion there, I'll just have to take it as it comes. Um, it's scary to have these conversations with a child of any age, but what's scarier is not having that conversation and a stranger having it with them and that being the knowledge they know rather than the knowledge that comes from you. And that's how I've been approaching kind of all of this. And even just outside of being a parent, I've seen the conversations that I try to have with childhood friends and how it's affected that. Um, friends of different races, I've, I'm like, our conversations don't even go the same because we're different races. I'm like, why, why is there this disconnect now? All, all of a sudden, I was like, you know, like, you know me. Why, why, why are we not on the same level as we used to be? And it felt like there was this huge defensive barrier between everybody. And some people were very offensive, some people were very defensive. Um, and social media was really hard to even consider in general because I saw people that I love um, act real out of character. Um, and I get it, it was, uh, a lot of that was misinterpreted. People were making blanket statements and it was taken the wrong way. People were, emotions are high. And it was just really hard to watch. Emotions get the better of people. Um, I saw a lot of people drive each other apart. Um, and, just yeah it's just it was really hard it was necessary um you know that's all from a social aspect uh coronavirus in general um i preach pretty deeply health not like not health from a sports performance avenue but health from a longevity holistic manner um and i was like this is you know that was these were all good examples for me uh, it, it just sucked that that's how they had to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I took it all with a grain of salt. Um, I spun it in the best way I possibly could in every interaction that I have. Um, I don't use social media to address these things. Um, I just don't believe that they can be properly discussed over text or pictures or posts. Um, I just, they're too nuanced and people can take words out of your mouth and, you know, misinterpret what you're trying to say over social media. And I just wasn't willing to have that happen. Um, there's too many people that I engage with on a, such a huge range that are polar opposites of each other that no matter what I would say, I might lose out on helping someone 
and that's just not worth it. Uh, some people are like, if you stand on this side, then I'm just, I'm not talking to you at all. You're dead to me. I'm like, well, that doesn't work because if nobody's talking to this group of people, everyone who's here is going to go to here. But if you talk to these people, they might go to here, maybe here, wherever it is you want them to go. By alienating people, you're just forcing them deeper into their train of thought. So, I mean, effective open communication is my biggest thing. And if, you know, we're not doing that, then that we're not making anything better. So I just don't get into all that on social media. I'm, I'm always open to talk about it in person because I've never had anyone completely disagree with me in person because I can explain to you, you can tell tone of my voice, you can see the emotion. Like, I don't know, I, it's, I get really worked up about it. And like this, this, everything that we're talking about now is that's, you know, that that's my life's work now because I mean, that's what I was getting into right after dad two ended. I mean, I said, as soon as I got back, I wanted to hit the, hit the ground running. I did. Then the lockdown happened and it was like, wow, this is everything that I've got on paper that I'm now putting into action is like, this is why. <laughs> and it all came to a physical representation rather than just my uh, kind of mental awareness. It, it was kind of insane. Yeah scary yeah i think you made some great points definitely about the whole having conversations and communicating because that was another thing that i tried to get through to my daughter was that throughout the course of her life and you know even in everybody's life you're gonna have friends and best friends and you're not gonna agree with 100 percent of their opinions and what they have to say and what they think it's just i mean we're human it's just not possible there's going to be things that you say or do that they disagree with and vice versa. But at the end of the day, they're still your friend. It's okay to agree to disagree. You're not going to see eye to eye on everything. And to be honest, you don't want to just surround yourself with people who only see things the way you do. Because then, like you said, you just sort of get stuck in tunnel vision. You stop seeing other perspectives. You stop seeing things from other people's shoes, from other people's point of views. And I think that's where that's where the growth stops and that's where people get stubborn. And that's, I think, just where everything falls apart. So I think you raise a great point and you don't want to get me started on social media and just media in general. I'm not the biggest fan of either of them for how they portray things. Um, I've had my daughter come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this random thing that she should have no idea about? Like I saw it on TikTok, I saw it on Instagram and I'm like, man, I'm going to have to start monitoring your account better. <laughs> it's just stuff she should not know about. So word of warning to you guys, as your daughters get older, you're definitely going to want to keep tabs on that kind of stuff. <laughs> so. Man, I already have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's changed so much since we were all kids. I mean, we didn't have access to all that stuff. So you know, our parents could just let us do whatever. But I mean, I don't know, when I was a kid, I didn't want to stay inside and watch TV. I wanted to go outside and play all day. So huge difference. Yeah. And of course, and we're I, never think, in. I think those, you know, the, of course, the overflow of information, you being over-informed and there's this constant not knowing what's right. I think that can be very dangerous. Um, but yeah. like you said, um, it's also, it's also very good. You know, it, it does create this super diverse train of thought and personality. And that creates, you know, more awareness and questioning within people which then creates autonomy, uh, which is great, but it just, it's, 
seems like there's not enough people steering that questioning and autonomy in the right direction. It seems like everyone is just questioning. Everyone is just judging or getting fired up and no one's actually like, well, this is like the root of the problem. Let's change that. It seems like there's not enough people doing that. It seems like everyone is so busy rooting for the home team that nobody's looking at what the league is doing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, let's look at the longevity of the sport we're playing rather than just going, Hey, let's just get that trophy, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, we got to look out for us as a people, not. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I do, I do get it that, you know, for all of us to succeed, we got to make sure we're all on the same level. And I agree with that, but let's like, let's not, push the team apart before we fix it you know yeah i think that's another thing too nobody's really looking for solutions it's just everybody just wants to be in this 24 7 outrage cycle about you know whatever the, the hot topic is at the moment and it's just uh it's just crazy yeah it's crazy crazy I, times i got okay so whenever this whole social media thing blew up right and everyone is posting something and sharing everyone's post when all the, all the social, uh, you know, the social justice movement really started happening. Um, I had some people reach out to me because I'm pretty active on social media. And they were like, hey, where do you stand on this? Or do you, I haven't seen you post about this and that. And I was like, that's just not, uh, that's not what I'm here for. And, you know, I got a lot of uh, silence is violence. And if you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And so I started asking directly, it was like, okay, do you mean to tell me that if I'm not posting something on social media directly stating where I stand on a certain subject, that I'm part of the problem, disregarding the fact that I do anything else outside of social media? They're like, correct. <laughs> and so I said, wait, I was like, okay, hold on. So does this mean if I am physically advocating for change and I'm working with nonprofits and I'm running support groups and I'm talking, I'm having conversations with different uh, groups and entities that are trying to make some sort of change. And I'm working with them, like actually doing work in the street rather than just posting things that aren't even my words that you saw on someone else's screen, resharing that that means I'm a part of the problem. The direct answer was yes every time. <laughs> and that drove me crazy absolutely crazy and i know it's because like we're in that you were in that space where we know all the guys who are you know really putting in some work yeah. and not all of them are out here just filling their feed with that stuff because they know where the real results happen and they know the people who really matter know who's putting in work and it just drives me crazy um, that these people who don't do anything who aren't actually changing it, they're not even actually changing their own lifestyle to make change, are screaming at people to do something on social media. That was my biggest thing. I'm like, I'm watching all these people who are all, all talk. It's just, it drove me crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of that on social media. It's like, uh, I mean, it's like a lot of things, um, you know, just trying to portray an image. It might not necessarily be true, but you have to at least make it seem like it. And a lot of it's not, not genuine. And that just kind of defeats the whole purpose, at least in my mind. It's like, if you don't mean it, then don't do it. But I guess a lot of people don't 
don't feel the same way, I suppose, in today's day and age. Yeah, and I agree, like, what, what Clint was saying. Yeah, I mean, his, his, his uh, analogy on, um, on, like, trying to make the league better instead of just picking a team, I mean, those people who reached out to you, obviously, they were playing for a specific team. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do is, you know, change, change the league. Yeah. Um, cause that's where it starts. I mean, it starts by, you know, those support groups or, you know, working in your local communities to try to make the community better and just hoping that that kind of starts to spread outward and, you know, it kind of just filters out everyone else and, and those who just may have, you know, picked a certain team and just, instead of picking a team, just like play for the people, you know, don't, don't just pick something that because it's a fad or. I'm going over here because this is what everybody's fighting for. We all know what's right. You know, we all know what's the right thing to do. Um, you know, who, who deserves, you know, what's coming to them and those who deserve what's better, what's good for the community. It's just your choice to do what's right for the community, what's right for you. And it's just those little steps that we take that will start to be that example for others. And it starts to spread that you know, that positivity all over the place. And I think that's where it starts. I think that analogy was perfect is uh, change the league, not the team. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I mean, Clint's doing it anyway, but you raise a good point too. Just, I think you got to start on like a sort of a smaller level too, and just focus on the community around you before you start looking bigger picture and changing every single thing. I mean, it's much easier if you break it down and bring it closer to home. Like, you know, start with making sure your family's tight. And then from there, spread out to your neighborhood, spread out to your city, you know, things like that. I mean, if you yeah, can. I saw something where it said, um, before you want to change the world, change your community. Um, and, and that's that's where it starts. It, it starts just around your neighborhood. Um, and, and Clint's doing that with, you know, Fatherhood Farms. I think just that, that positive aspect, you know, uh, in fatherhood, that I think it's, it's what, you know, what we need you know, as people with that type of mentality um, and not just fathers, you know, just people with that mentality to do something positive in their community. And then, it, you know, people see that they, they, he sets an example and it starts to kind of, you know, I want to do that too. I want to make that impact. I want to be, you know, living this positive lifestyle. I want to go ahead and, and change lives this way. And before you know it, you know, it starts to impact the world and that's how it starts. It starts by, by something small. Yeah, exactly. So what about, um, yeah, all right, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) What uh, I was was just saying, it's it's that, uh, I'm just one person. What can I do to, I'm one person. Look what I did. You know, you got to make that mindset switch and that's, you can do so much as one person, man. Yeah. I mean, you you reach one person. That's, I mean, that's a win. That's all it takes. You got to start somewhere. It's like a, you know, snowball effect after that. Right. So I guess, um, you know, and I guess with all the stuff that's, you know, taking place in the last year, um, is there any like new realizations you've come to just to life in general or about yourself? Maybe things you didn't know, or did you have anything reinforced about yourself that you already knew? And you're like, yeah, I was right. Um, like I know for me, I've not always been the most organized person and this last year just reaffirmed to me how much more organized I need to be in terms of things like scheduling. Like for example, I, I want to be more consistent with this podcast 
Absolutely. And I, I go through fits and spurts where I, you know, do a few weeks in a row, then a few weeks off. And I, I'm trying to get it to like more of a weekly thing. And I realize it's just more of an organization thing for me. But have you guys had anything like that where you just maybe sort of had like a light bulb moment? You're like, oh, yeah, this is why I'm struggling here. Or, oh, yeah, this is I know why I'm struggling here. And I've known this for a while and I, I'm still seeing it now. You know, I, I love that question because um, last year I feel like it was it, it, it was a, a, a shitty year for a lack of a better word. And also the most um, rewarding and, and the most positive things have happened to me during that time frame. Um, sure, there was a lot of negative, there was a lot of bad things, but there was also like a lot of positive. But I think one that really um, tested me and just brought out something good at the end was, um, you know, last year in August, I tested positive for COVID. And just pending the results, and me not feeling well, I already like quarantined myself, took myself away from the family, locked myself in the room. A couple of days later, I get the phone call that I'm positive. Um, so I, what I thought was gonna be just something that was just gonna be a couple of weeks, you know, no big deal, I'm back out of here and I'll be good. Um, I actually started to feel horrible. I felt really bad. I ended up in the hospital and a month later, finally, like I was able to actually leave the four walls I was stuck in for a while. Um, but at mid midpoint, I think I mentally broke down. And now I was one who was, I was a positive person. Uh, you know, I, I still am, but up until that point, I thought I was positive. I really didn't let uh, things get to me. You know, if I'm sick, no big deal. It'll be over and I'll be back on it. Um, I just had a positive outlook on a lot of things, but being in that room um, and then watching the news, I think, which was probably my biggest mistake is watching the news and seeing all the negativity and then all the, all the stuff that the media portrays and about the virus and, you know, people dying. I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was, I was scared. Um, I was nervous, you know, going through that. There's so many things that was going through my mind. I mean, you're in the room for so long, so many hours, there's only so much you can do before your mind starts to wander. And I think it really tests your, test, uh, your mental health. And that's exactly what happened. And I think I just mentally broke down not being able to be around my family, my daughter and spend time with her and just know that, um, you know, I, I didn't feel as bad as some people felt, you know, when they had COVID or even not even near what the worst that could have happened, but you just still have that in the back of your mind and think what's going to happen. You know, is it going to get worse than this? When I thought it wasn't going to get worse and here I am, I feel worse. You know, I had to go to the hospital and going to the hospital, that's when I completely lost it because I went into the hospital and they didn't let nobody in. They, sh they shut them down outside. Like you can't come in, this is it. And they rushed me to the back and connected all these machines on me. That moment right there, I like, I mean, my eyes got watery. I was emotional. Cause you know, it's just, you hear those stories. They go in, they never come out or it's, it's months. So I think mentally I was really uh, tested and it, it really, once everything was said and done, I had a new appreciation for just life in general and, uh, and just grateful for all those smallest things that mean so much to me. 
And even if it's, you know, the, the one second I get to, you know, interact with my daughter, you know, just appreciating those little things so much more and also being so much more positive. I think once I kind of switched that mindset, I feel like everything after that just changed. Um, a, a week later, I got my negative result. I was out. I just, everything about life in general was just so positive. And that's when all these all these things just started falling on my lap and, and all these connections I've made and, and interactions and impact I've made just by sharing my story, I feel like was, was one of the best things that has happened to me. So even though COVID was, um, in some people's cases, it's not such a positive story. In, in this case, for me, it was something that really changed my life and how I looked at things. And I just kind of took it as, as, I'm grateful that that happened to me because I was in a dark place and now I'm in the opposite end of, of the spectrum when it comes to that. And, and I feel 10 times much better mentally, emotionally, um, just going through that and getting out of it um, and just appreciating things so much more. And what about you, Clint? Hey man, I'm right there with you, Floor. Um, I didn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have the sickness like that. But when you're talking about appreciation, you know, that's, I mean, that's where I live. And I'm so like hearing you explain that. Um, I wish that for everybody, man, because that's, that's like how I try to live day to day. Um, when I talk about, you know, coming out of that dark hole when I lost, you know, my wife and it's like the worst and the best thing that happened to me, which is, you know, always weird to say, but it's like, I wouldn't be this person if that didn't happen, you know, and walking outside, looking at trees and seeing oxygen rather than a tree, you know what I mean? It's just like every little thing is so great. You know what I mean? I made it to work. I turned on the lights. I woke up, I walked, I can breathe. I opened my eyes, you know, it's like, I got sight, smell, taste. It's that soaking that in every day. So hearing you, talk like that and I could visually see that you know you're you're seldom active here on social but you could see that there was a definite change in you after that experience because that's tough man that's a long time to be locked up and then that's a scary thing I mean I don't, going to the hospital would have freaked me out I don't like hospitals as it is that's like most infected place you could go so that's terrifying <laughs> um but yeah, it, I mean, for me, uh, going part-time from work and then spending all that time with my daughter, I realized that work had been my biggest vice for so long. Um, whereas alcohol was in my past, I had replaced that with work. Uh, I was working 60, 80 hour weeks, you know, you know, physical labor out in the sun. And I kept myself so mentally and physically beat down with that labor that I couldn't hit the peak of the amount of work that I needed to do internally. So only working three days a week, I was with me a lot. You know, I was with my daughter a lot, yes. But from a very personal standpoint, I was with my thoughts a lot. I was with questioning 
my actions a lot. I was with questioning my past, present, future intentions, interactions. I was with myself a lot. Um, and I had never had that time before. I mean, ever. Uh, the last time I had this amount of time to myself was when I was too young to care about having time to myself. So uh, that was kind of an aha moment for me. It's like realizing how, how much I used work to escape from where I needed to be in life. And then realizing, using that time to realize that it feels like everything, and I've talked about this before, but everything that has happened and is happening and everything that I do is on this path of where I'm going, the goal I'm trying to get to. It's the same thing that Floor talked about with these things just kind of falling into your lap and what I like to call, one of my buddies and I like to call is being in this state of flow where you're not forcing anything and you're just living with the best of intentions. And these things just kind of happening because you are where you're supposed to be in every moment and allowing yourself to be there in that moment. Um, and it all sounds very seventies and hippie, but I can't tell you the feeling that I have being in such a deep struggle you know, financially and emotionally where you're just, you don't know how either one of those things is going to work out. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to be homeless next week. And I don't know if I'm about to have a mental breakdown because I'm, you know, but then like the next moment something happens and it's just like a, an encouragement. that's like, Hey, you're doing the right thing. Just keep going. And that happens every time something just doesn't feel like it's going to work out. And in all aspects of that, whether it's financial, whether it's um, in fatherhood, whether it's me as a son, a friend, a brother, um, just everything has lined up so perfectly. And it's because I'm just living in harmony with what I believe is best for the world. I mean, to put it into just kind of a very short statement. Um, that's my thing is just, I realize that it's all, it's all connected and I just have to kind of trust the process and lead by example. Man, you guys said super amazing stuff. Like I, listening to floor, like I can't imagine, like, luckily I didn't, catch COVID and had no issues with it um, with anybody I know that did catch it it wasn't major or serious but I can't imagine being dragged into the hospital and then pretty much locking the doors and saying all right well you got to go in by yourself your family can't come in it's too dangerous like I'd probably lose it too like because like you said you go and you don't know if you're coming back out or not like that's that's heart-wrenching man and then Clint like I I can relate to that too like Every time you feel like that's it, it's over, you're done, you can't do anymore, just one little thing happens that keeps pushing you forward and you know that you're on the right path. Even though you feel like you're just about to hit rock bottom, you just have like that one little like, I don't know, like flash of light, like flicker that just says, nah, keep going, you're on the right path. Um, with both of you guys on those things, man. And, and I, I did actually test positive for COVID 
but I want to bring it up because it was literally like I had a fever and then my back kind of hurt for two days and then that was it. So I felt terrible <laughs> for bringing it up when I know how bad you had it and a bunch of other people had it. So I was like, uh, maybe just leave that part out. Yeah. Uh, you got lucky, man. It affects everybody differently. Yeah. Yep. Just be grateful. <laughs> Absolutely. I was super grateful for that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. When people ask me about that, I'm like, I was like, dude, the smartest people in the world have no idea what's going on. Don't ask a redneck who doesn't have all their credits from high school, okay? <laughs> right. You're like, no, that's not a big deal. I, I had a fever for a couple of days. My back was sore. I don't, I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now that uh, I guess things are kind of approaching normalcy again, like what do you guys have planned for the rest of this year? I mean, we're just about halfway through. We've got Father's Day coming up. Like what do you guys – what are you looking forward to for the rest of this year? Do you have big plans for what you're doing or family stuff? I mean, what do you guys have going on? You know, I got to yeah. say, um, um, oh, go ahead, Clint. Sure. I sure. You know, I take a while. <laughs> we got all the time in the world. Okay. Okay. Um, See, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this uh, kind of public opening up because literally after Dad 2, at Dad 2 is where I met um, uh, Lance and Matt, uh, who started City Dads Group. And I'd been talking to them beforehand, and we wanted to formalize a meeting there at Dad 2. So I took over Austin Dads Group. Um, which had been dormant for quite a while after we got back from dad two, literally at the start of lockdown. Now, those who aren't familiar with uh, city dads group, it's born out of meetup.com. We can no longer meet up. So uh, that was, I was pretty much, you know, tossing in the wind there trying to make some sort of engagement happen, which was uh, super frustrating but also, you know, it was like, I've got all this stuff here that I'm doing. So it's just, it was very discouraging. Now with things opening up, I'm seeing a little bit more engagement. I've made a little bit more strides, um, getting attention from people and gaining viewership. So I'm really looking forward to trying to get some meetups going now that people are willing to actually show up. Uh, so that's a big thing. Um, even though it's not my thing personally, um, it's something that I was very interested in and in an undertaking that I was really wanting to follow through on. Um, and I feel, uh, I feel responsible for, you know, living up to what I promised to those guys. So I'm really looking forward to that for one. Uh, and then two, and I haven't, I haven't gone public with this yet, but my brother and I with, along with his family just found some land about 45 minutes from where I'm at now and we should be closing at the end of this month and that is 20 acres that we'll be really diving in and expanding um, and putting the vision of fatherhood farms down you know on the ground so I'm really looking forward to like actually pushing making the big push to where this is a legit deal and not something that is um, in its uh, like beta test phase, which I suppose I'll be in beta test phase for quite a while, but um, this will be like real world, like application 
big time. So I'm really looking forward to that. Those are kind of the big things that's on my scope uh, currently. Uh, congrats on the land, man. I know a couple of weeks you posted about uh, one of the I, one of the places you were looking at falling through. So it sounds like you actually did find another place. And that's good, man. Congratulations. Yeah, it, it was funny because that like that memory popped up and it was the last land that we looked at, you know, over a year ago that didn't happen. And it was the day that I went and showed Brooke the new land that we are getting. So I was like, oh, how fitting. Yeah, so that, that was kind of perfect. Um, but yeah, oh, th that was one of those things. I was literally like, I'm here at my mother's land where I'm in production right now. And I was drawing up plans to build a tiny home on the back of her property. Cause I was like, we're not gonna find land anytime soon. It's just not happening. And I drew floor plans and the next day, my realtor buddy calls me up and says, hey, let's go look at this land. And then we put an offer in on it. And it was like the next day. And it was like, it's was, it was just the world telling me, hey, hold on. Don't build that damn thing. We're ready for you. So, yeah. That was... What about you, Flora? What do you got planned for the rest of this year? Man, first, Clint, that's amazing, man. Congratulations. Um, I'm excited to see how that turns out. I mean, as it is, I want to go visit the farm you're at right now. Like every time, you know, I just look at your your videos and your posts. I mean, like I want to be there. I want to be there with my daughter. I feel like I'll have a great time. It's, it looks awesome. So I want to hang with those, those goats. Posts. Yes. Yes. All the animals. All yeah, those chickens. We're going to fly y'all out one day. <laughs> I, I, I want to one morning open the door for all the chickens. That's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, dude, so everyone I, loves that. I don't know what it is. Dude, it's, it's awesome. It's like the perfect good morning. Cause those chickens are always happy and clucking away, man. It's amazing. Perfect. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, oh man. I, um, it's, I feel like I've been checked out for a really long time. Um, you know, focus on work. And I, you know, I, I recently had a move unexpectedly. Um, and then before that, I got into a car accident. It was like one thing happened after another. So I had to really take some time away and, and just kind of put things on pause and just kind of get my life uh, straightened out a little bit. But just recently, I was talking to my girl and letting her know that, like, you know, I want to get back in it you know, get back in the fatherhood space and just really uh, be involved again and, and make an impact. And I think I, in the past, I found myself really um, trying to jump on board with other groups. Um, I'm also part of the City Dads group in Orlando, um, you know, to try to get that back started up uh, with with my co-partner, uh, Marlon. And, and I was also part of some other groups and just kind of doing things for them. But as of late, I was like, you know what, I, I, I want to do things, you know, for me, like, for me, for others, like I've always intended. But I think, um, you know, like we talked about, you know, kind of starting small and making that impact at least to one person, and getting back to that. And I, I think just going over what I've struggled with the most, but also what I've learned about the most and what I feel like I can support in the most, which is in co-parenting, I feel like that's been a really challenging but positive space for me where I can really connect to a lot and I want to 
you know, get back into that and continue to make impacts in that way and just be a, a vessel for those who are looking for, you know, a, an outlet or, or just some kind of support, comfort, answers, or if they got questions, whatever it is. And through that, I even learned myself, but I just want to take my experience of what I've learned and the struggles I went through and the things I've tried and learned to really kind of take those tools and just give it to someone else so that they can successfully co-parent as well. Um, co-parenting is never a perfect situation. I, I'm not saying mine is perfect, but it's definitely made uh, some serious progress, especially over the year, um, considering the pandemic and everything like that. I think it's been an eye-opener in many aspects and I'm definitely grateful, but I wanna take those learnings and those tools and kind of provide them to others. So I will you know, be making some of those videos I did in the past, those co-parenting tips and, and videos and just uh, really those interactions and maybe even get back to, to like interviewing some people. I know I've had uh, Craig in the past on co-parenting. Um, I actually wanna get Clint because I think um, his co-parenting situation is different from what others uh, may think. And I think it's interesting because it's, it's still a level of co-parenting regardless of how you see it. I mean, he's, he's partnering with another uh, individual, a parent, a family member to co-parent uh, for his daughter. And I think that's, it's a beautiful thing. So I, I like the story he has behind it. And I would like to share that as well. Um, but yeah, just kind of things like that, just really taking those messages from others and putting them out there, being that platform where, or that stage for others who want to share their story, but also help those who are struggling and, and get through those hurdles that sometimes are not easy. Sometimes you fall down after trying to jump the first time. Sometimes you feel like you can go underneath it, but regardless, you know, you, you got to get through them. However you do it, just, you know, just make sure it's done in a way that's respectful and it always benefits the child. I think it's the biggest thing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the thing I, I want to do is just get back into the game like that in the co-parenting space and really make those impacts. It'll, it'll be good to see you come back, man. I've missed those little videos you used to post. They're always a good time. And I, I definitely, definitely always learn good tips, man. I'm, I'm always down to learn some good co-parenting tips, man. So those were super helpful. Yes, sir. <laughs> it sounds like you got big things coming up too, Clint. I, for me, man, I'm just, as I was saying earlier, I'm trying to get more organized. I, I've made really good connections with some good single dads that have some decent stories that I want to get out. So I'm hoping to ramp up the interviews. Um, and I think I've been talking about it since like January or February. I'm going to turn my blog into the landing page for the podcast. I'm going to get around to that hopefully soon. Um, otherwise, man, I'm just hoping to take this summer just to actually get out and do stuff with my daughter. Um, you know, last summer we didn't really get to do anything. So we've got a couple trips planned this year or this summer. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, otherwise, man, that's pretty much it. I don't have the, the, the lofty plans you guys have, but I'm going to get some quality family time in. So, Man, you're doing big things with the podcast, man. I, I'm, a... I'm happy to see all of that. Like, I mean, it, I always get excited every time I get a notification that uh, Single Dad Reboot has another episode. It's, and it's awesome, man. Like you have some really good content on there lots of good information and it's nice to even hear your own personal journey um, whether it's fitness or you know through divorces and stuff like that so it's nice to hear all of that um, and, and I know you know I, I like uh, Clint and I we, we appreciate it 
Um, we were definitely on past episodes. So of course we appreciate that. <laughs> um, but just the information, I mean, I think just the support and, and your space in the fatherhood community is really important. Um, like we talked about, it's just making those uh, small little impacts that can really go a long way for many others. But hey, I, honestly, I appreciate both you guys. I mean, you guys are pretty much like my day ones in this thing. I mean, just share a little bit of gratitude. Like, uh, you know, if it hadn't been for Clint, I would not have even known there was like a dad community out there. I would not have known that uh, I could actually reach people. I would have just been like pretty much spitting into the wind for nothing. And for you, Floor, I mean, I don't even know if I would have started this if we hadn't had that conversation when I was giving you a ride to the airport after dad 2.0. So, <laughs> I mean, you guys have been there since before hey. I even started this, before it was an idea. So, I mean, I've got nothing but gratitude and appreciation for both you guys. I mean, you guys have been supportive and you guys are, you know, a couple of my first interviews. So that's why I, I felt like it was important to have you guys on for this. Like, I mean, it's, I think my first episode was May 31st of last year. So it's a little over a year anniversary. So I felt wow, like it congrats, was important to congrats. have you guys on. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, that's big. It's been awesome. I, I legitimately enjoy your podcast. Uh, like your insight is off the charts every time. Um, like production value is good. I know you don't do anything crazy, but mm-hmm. uh, it's good, man. I listen to a lot of audio content because I, I, I'm not a good reader. So it's, it's legit, man. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, so I appreciate all your stuff. And I think, I think the, the podcast is super great. One, not only for like your guests to come on, share their story and you and your guests making that interaction and connection um, from their point of view, they get to speak like this right here. I don't have, I'm not worried about how people who know me in my, you know, in my direct community or my family or my friends, what they think of me. Like, I'm not worried about that when I'm talking to you. And it's just, it's just us recording. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get a different person almost when you're talking to them. And not only that, but you're a different person when you're interviewing people. And I, and I know this because I've analyzed that myself. Like when I've listened to past podcasts that I've been on, I'm like, you know, that wouldn't just come up in conversation. Like I wouldn't just bring that up or. I wouldn't speak like that to a certain group of people, but now that group of people gets to hear me speak like that. Now this group of people who I never would have had this kind of conversation with can listen to this and realize it was like, Oh shit. Like Clint, that's you're into that. That's, that's what you're about. You know what I mean? Because I'm yeah. not trying to force what I believe and how I feel onto people. I was like, but if you happen to hear it on a podcast I'm on, then, that's on you, you know? So I think what you're doing is super important. And I think anyone who does a podcast is super important because it always helps to have someone doing something that you know directly, because you can watch people on TV and make up an excuse like, oh, well, they're there because of this and that and because they knew this. But when it's someone like, hey, I went to high school with that dude, but he's doing this, that must mean that I can do that. And so there's that association. So every time you're doing one of these, you're encouraging someone who you know directly in that, you know, that viewpoint. So they can go, you know, I can do that too. Why, why haven't I done that? So I think it's super important for everyone to explore this kind of avenue if they want to, because you're always going to reach new audience. 
And an added bonus is he has the perfect voice for a podcast. So he's hitting all the marks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I've always thought it was kind of nasally. So whenever somebody's like, oh, yeah, you got a good podcast voice. I'm like, OK, is they just saying that I'm ugly? <laughs> you got a you got a perfect voice for radio you got a perfect face for radio like what what are you saying i would go back to what clint said i like, feel the same way <laughs> i guess we're in it together bald is beautiful whatever man they can't tell us anything <laughs> but go back to what clint said though like that was one of the reasons why i wanted to start this particular podcast was because i mean a lot of the podcasts like they get these super rich successful famous guests which is great but I mean, those people aren't going to have that same kind of impact on me or I think just people in general, because I'm not going to run into any of those people if I'm just walking down the street. Whereas like you guys, I mean, I've met you guys in real life off of a connection off of Instagram. I'm going to see guys like you at conferences. I'm going to meet other guys that I you know, could just bump into walking down the street. I think that's going to have more of an impact on people than, you know, listening to some famous person who's already successful and a millionaire or a billionaire. I mean, that's, it's great to hear their tips. Don't get me wrong, but you know, for somebody that's really going through it and feeling like they're at rock bottom or going through a divorce or struggling with co-parenting, you know, for somebody that's like super rich, you know, versus somebody that's not, who's going through it, they're not going to really be able to relate. I don't think because it's not, I mean, while they're at the base have the same problems, they don't really have the same tools that they're dealing with it with. So for them, they're like, oh, that person probably has it easier because they're super rich. Me, I've got to work these two jobs and balance custody and also, you know, pay child support and maybe pay alimony and all this other stuff. So I was just trying to keep it down to, I don't want to say average Joe, because I don't really necessarily think everybody's average, but just, you know, people that you could actually come across in your regular life if you're, you know, not in, I guess, more affluent crowds. So that was particularly the audience I was trying to reach. So I think so far I've done a pretty good job of that, but I'm just hopefully continue to grow it and keep doing it yeah and it also encourages others too i mean we're all unique like you said not not necessarily average joe but we all are unique in our own way we all have our own story and someone out there is waiting to listen to someone just like them to see how they can get out of a certain situation or or at least to relate so the fact that you have this podcast and you're or you're speaking to those individuals can help that one person on the other side of the world to realize that they're not in this by themselves. And I think that's why the fatherhood community is so important in, in this mm -hmm. type of space or even using uh, sources like podcasts or anything social media to kind of share that message or highlight these people, I think is, is huge and makes an impact somewhere, even if you don't realize it, it's gonna impact someone and it's gonna reach to them in some way, shape or form. Somebody's gonna share it, somebody's gonna suggest it. And before you know it, you've there's somebody out there that you've changed their life and they look forward to you know, listening to what you have to say or the people you bring on. And they, and they look for that content because it, it already made you know, a, 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 even a smidget of an impact to them. And they look for that at, for fuel. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like just takes one person. That, that was all I was really trying to reach was just like one person. Cause I remember when I was going through it, I was like, man, if, if I could just find one person that could relate to me. And at that time I couldn't. So I just, you know, dealt with it the best I could, but you know, every once in a while somebody reach out and say, Oh man, it's been so helpful. And it's like, that's great to hear, man. Cause that's exactly what I was trying to do. Just let you know that you're not alone. Cause I think 
when you know you're not when you know you're not alone and you feel like people can relate it's just so much easier to move through things because you know my situation isn't that unique i know other people that have been through it so if they can make it through i can make it through too so we're all in this together it's like a yeah it's this this butterfly effect they talk about and you said you you didn't know about this fatherhood space till you know i kind of was like hey there's this thing going on yeah so look at angel oh gee angel yep. brought us all together really yeah you know that's I, true I, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Brought, he brought me in he brought me into the fatherhood space he had me on his show i met so many people through him mm-hmm. um that was the first time i'd ever shared my my story and my past with literally anyone I hadn't even talked to my best friend or brother about this stuff. And I spoke, you know, publicly on this forum and like what that did for me, like I can never repay him for that. Like, like, I mean, like we're brothers now, you know what I mean? Go down Mm -hmm. there. I visit him. He's been up here to visit me. Like it's just this butterfly effect that happens and like how that can inspire. And if not inspire at least, push the movement that you're already on uh, it just people loving people dude this is yeah. awesome like it's like the whole community is so supportive and like loving too man it's uh it, it caught me off guard at that conference for sure at dad 2.0 I, I mean i wasn't really sure what to expect so i definitely mm-hmm. went with an open mind but it was just some of the coolest people the most down to earth people Another crazy thing that I didn't expect was so like my like my viewership here on Instagram when I look at analytics and stuff, it's not predominantly fathers, right? It's not predominantly male even. Um, and I've gotten tons of feedback from females that are like, "Wow, you give me such insight or you give me such." hope with future generation of men and this and that uh, because I lead with vulnerability and compassion and things, the stuff that traditionally men don't practice. Right. And so having such, it's, it's like 73% women. And then if you want to get age, it's like, it's on the older side. And mm-hmm. so they're like, wow, this is incredible to see the younger generation making these changes. And then you're setting an example, not only for other men, but you're setting expectation for younger women and what they should expect and what, you know, men can be and things like that. So this isn't even just on the fatherhood side or just on the male side. This is a society thing. And that's where that's, that was another shift that happened for me was, I'm not just advocating for fatherhood. I'm advocating for human beings. Like I'm advocating for the better that we can be not like, I'm not the exception to men. I'm the exception to people, that sort of thing where it's like, Mm -hmm. let's make this the rule where we're all about love. You know what I mean? Not like, Oh, men can do this and women can do this. Let's ditch that conversation and just talk about people can be this. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. that was another shift for me, not to get like on a tangent, but um, just like what's possible out of just this, these conversations right here and what they spark is huge. And I think people undervalue that. Yeah, uh, I know I did for a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't really sometimes you don't even really know what you're looking for until you hear other people talking about it. And then you're just like, mm-hmm. it just like hits you like a ton of bricks. You're just like, oh, he just said, you know, this thing. And that's 
crazy, but that's like actually how I've been feeling and what I've been thinking about and what I've been looking for, for maybe a few months, maybe a few years. And, you know, like you said, I mean, of course, you know, we want to add advocates for dad. Absolutely. But I mean, a lot of people need help and guidance and are looking for stuff. And, you know, if it reaches a bigger audience, then, Hey, I want to help everybody. I can, you know, it's not, you know, just for one people or yeah. for one type of person and not for others, you know, we got love for everyone. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, man, it's been a great conversation. I'm sure we could probably talk to the wee hours of the night. But <laughs> it is a weeknight, and if you guys watch my stories. I have that 4:30 a.m. get up early and go to the gym thing. So, <laughs> as always, it's a pleasure having you guys on, man. Definitely, man. Thank you so much. It was always a pleasure, um, you know, to see you guys, to talk with you guys, and just have conversation. Um, we haven't had a dad too in a while. Yeah, it's I wonder if they'll digital. be kicking those back up soon. If they'll do an in-person one now that everything's mm-hmm. opening back up. Yeah, that would be nice, but uh, we'll see. We'll have to talk to Mr. Doug French about that one. <laughs> yeah, I definitely be down. Yeah, we definitely need to get Start back to him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, all right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, well, for really joining me. I really appreciate you organizing this. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Like I said, it it felt like it was the right thing to have you guys on, seeing as you guys are my day one. So I figure this is the best like one year anniversary. Father's Day is coming up. I couldn't think of two better guys to have on. So. Appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys enjoy your Father's Day. You guys enjoy your Father's Days with your family, your kids, and uh, we'll be in touch. I'm looking forward to see what you guys do going forward. Likewise, man. Y'all take care. All right. You too. Man, I always love catching up with those guys. It's always a great conversation. And then I always learn something new and it's always thought provoking. So it's always a good time to have those guys on. And I'd actually like to echo Flora's statement too, about just, you know, the last year and a half, last year, 2020 in general, um, you know, even despite everything else that went on and took place last year, um, it was actually one of the best years of my life. Um, I just witnessed, you know, a ton of personal growth myself and, you know, I'm not sure that I would have been able to accomplish that if last year would have happened any other way than how it did. So, I mean, I'll always be grateful for it, you know, despite everything else that took place. So it's just awesome. So and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, if you, you know, feel like it might help anybody that you know, or they might find it entertaining, please forward it on to them. Um, if you listen on any podcast outlet platform that allows reviews please leave me a five star let's get the message out share it with anybody that needs it and uh, as always thanks again for tuning in oh also too if you guys have any questions feel free to reach out at craig at singledadreboot.com um, you know if you have any questions or anything you want to hear me talk about or you know if you have any single parents single dads that you'd like to have on the show to tell their story or think they should come on and tell their story would be happy to have them on so just, you know, shoot me an email or send me a DM on Instagram, you know, I'd be happy to talk to him. So thanks everybody for tuning in. It's been another great week and we'll uh, be back next week. <laughs>